So welcome back, everyone, to the Mama Bird podcast. Today is episode two, and we are going to be discussing all of the pressures on moms to be perfect. Um, I have Maddie joining me today from Shop Emmy Lou. She is a small business owner in the same area that I live in Ontario. And so she's joined in today to provide her perspective on motherhood and specifically on the pressures that she's been through and how she feels and all of those things. So welcome, Maddie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Maddie, um, Maddie and I met over social media, right? We met on Instagram actually back in November. Yes. Yeah. So, um, as Maddie's a small business owner, so, so am I, I mentioned in the first podcast that I have a photography business and we actually live in the same area. So we've done a couple collaborations together and I've ordered a lot of her stuff for my little girl and Maddie, why don't you just give a little bit of like a background of who you are? Yeah. So, um, I'm Maddie, obviously. Um, and I am a small business owner. I do own a small business called Shop Emmy Lou um, that makes sustainable children's toys. So that is my main passion. But I also have a daughter named Amelia and she is 18 months old and she is just the best. I love her so much. Um, and yeah, as Emily mentioned, we do both live in Ontario. Um, and yeah, that's just a little bit about me. So let's <laughs> jump right into it. So pressures on being the perfect mom. What does that mean to you? I feel like we're so ingrained in society that we have to be a certain way as parents, especially as moms. And I think this pressure begins not only when we become a mom, but even earlier than that, I think, you know, when, as we kind of reach our childbearing years, but we kind of learn from our parents, you know, what is acceptable and what's not. And, you know, we kind of carry that into parenthood. Um, but I find the pressures are starting to start a lot younger for a lot of, of women. Um, and just this, this pressure to be perfect, this pressure to have, you know, the perfect home, the perfect life to, you know, your child is developmentally, um, at their best and just this pressure to, you know, have everything in your life under control. And it's just so overwhelming at times. Um, just trying to kind of keep all these balls in the air, just trying to juggle everything. Uh, it's a lot. And it's, it's strange that we expect this from, from women, especially, and we don't really expect it from men. Um, it seems to be a sort of female pressure that we're really expecting women to, you know, uphold the home and uphold, you know, caring for children and, you know, to potentially have a job and all of that stuff. It's, it's a lot for women. Yeah. And I kind of experienced that too, from the get go. Like I never, I never, I've always wanted to be a mom and I always, Mm -hmm. I never thought that really it would be that difficult until (laughs) I had Audrey, of course. (laughs) And then you just, you just realize that your life is completely different. Once you have a baby, once you have a child, like an entire universe that you have to take care of on a consistent, constant basis. And we, as the moms feel that pressure the most. Yes, correct. And that's crazy because like one of the things that I found, you know, when researching is parenthood is made 
to be, or a lot of people interpret parenthood as a woman's job. Yes. And why? I think it's mostly because historically it's been a woman's, a woman's job. And obviously there are families out there who do break the mold of having, you know, the, the mother or the female figure in the family, the, the default parent is, is what we call it in our kind of, um, in our family. And I think it's just this expectation that what we've seen typically in our families, as we grew up, you know, I always saw my mom doing all the cooking and the cleaning and, you know, taking care of us as kids and my dad, you know, helped here and there. But I think it's just, we've seen this kind of stereotype as we grow up and as we, you know, progress through, you know, um, through generations and it just continues to be pervasive. So. And it's so interesting because thinking about your example of your mom doing everything, it was kind of the opposite in my house, really? actually. Yeah. So most like, and this is not to say my mom didn't do anything. <laughs> she did a lot and yeah. she'll listen to this and be like, what the heck? <laughs> but um, my dad was the cook. Yeah. My dad made the meals. My mom here and there, of course, she'd make the meals. But yeah. um, my dad did a lot of the household things mm-hmm. that historically women were known to do. Yes. And maybe it was just in his, um, I know he, he had a little bit of a, a tough upbringing. So he was expected to do more around the house to help. And I feel like that he, he learned that behavior and therefore he brought it into his, his future family. Right. And again, it's not to say that my mom wasn't like a motherly figure cause she was hundred no. percent, but it's, it's interesting. But then when we go back, so in my household, with parenthood and with womanhood and motherhood, mm-hmm. Alex, my husband, he does the cooking. I do all of the cleaning. He'll do mm-hmm. some, and he's going to listen to this and be like, why did you say <laughs> that I don't do anything? So he does all of the cooking. Um, I do a lot of the cleaning. He does all of the chores outside and I do a lot of them inside. And then when Audrey was born, I had that innate sense of doing everything and being able to do everything. Did you? I mean, Landon does do a lot of the cooking like Alex, um, pretty much all of it. And, but I felt like once Amelia was born, it was this sense of, okay, now I'm a mom. So therefore I need to be able to cook for my child. I need to be able to clean up after my child. Like I feel like all of that just kind of that motherly instinct, I guess, just kind of kicks in and you're like, oh, I need to actually start doing all of these things. Um, And I'm not sure if that's like a societal expectation or what that is, but it's so interesting that it seems like we've had this similar experience of, you know, once you become a parent, you're kind of expected, especially a mom, you're expected to, to want to and to need to fulfill all of these duties around the home while also taking care of your child. But sometimes I don't want to. I know. Right? (laughs) And that's the thing. It's like, why is a woman's job to Mm -hmm. be a mother all the time? Yes. Why is that? Exactly. Um, I I feel like there's a lot of times where, you know, I don't necessarily want a mom that day. Um, but there is so much pressure on us as, as moms that we need to kind of continue to show up. And even if we're having a hard day, 
we need to continue to, you know, parent our kids. Whereas, you know, in the real world, if you're having a bad day, you're allowed to take like a mental health day or you're allowed to take some time off. But if you're a parent, you're really not allowed to do that, especially if you're a mom. Um, I feel like that really falls on us in that kind of parenting realm, the kind of falls on the mom to, um, even if you're having, you know, a really tough day, it often falls on you to, you know, kind of pick yourself up and, and figure everything out and then continue to take care of your child and take care of your home. And we get those pressures from where? I really don't know. I wonder if it's like, it's crazy. An internal, an yep. internal pressure or, you know, I feel like when I became a mom, there was this overwhelming sense of needing to have everything together all of the time. I felt like, especially because I'm such a young mom, I felt like if I didn't have my life completely together and like, if I didn't look polished or if my house was messy or, you know, if my child was screaming in public because I forgot something, which happened a lot, (laughs) um, I felt like I would be judged. And maybe that's, you know, where that kind of comes in is just this fear of judgment. If we're not, you know, pulling ourselves together and there's so much, um, like on social media, there's, there's so much, um, sharing that is going on with, you know, talking about maternal mental health, which is amazing. But I think there is also this underlying message of you still need to kind of pull yourself together, even if you're having a hard day. Yeah. And I think like, there's been so many times that I'll look on social media, specifically Instagram, because that's where I spend most of my time. And I see these moms, you know, prepping their meals, like on Sundays for the entire week and having all of their stuff together. And I'm thinking to myself, like, do you ever sleep? Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Because like, and Alex and I have tried so many times to think, yeah, we're going to prep everything on Sunday and we're going to be ready for the week. Never does that happen because we're just like, I'm tired. I'm, I I don't want to, I don't want to show up today. And I think I constantly at the beginning of like motherhood, I constantly felt felt like I wasn't doing enough. Yes. Everyone around me, not, and I don't know them, but like everywhere that I looked, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, like YouTube, all of these moms seem like they have it all together. Yes. And that puts a pressure on me. Yes. And everyone seems like they're doing motherhood better than you. Yeah. And it took me so long to figure out that, you know, motherhood isn't necessarily being good at being, being a mom, you know, it's hard to, you know, not be a great mom. Um, But I think it is so important to recognize that like being a great mom is not, you know, meal prepping. It's not having the perfect activities for your kid. And that took me a long time to learn. Um, But it's just responding to the emotional and mental needs of your child the best that you can. Yes. Um, but social media especially makes it seem like it's so much more than that. It makes us feel like we have all of these things to juggle that we need to have our lives perfectly in order to be a Instagram perfect mom or a Pinterest perfect mom. Yeah. And like social media is so great because you can see what other people are doing and you can become inspired. Yes. But it's also 
allows you to see inside someone's life and it makes you think they live that perfect life when in reality they probably don't that's all like a farce they're all it's it's I continue to tell myself whatever I'm seeing on social media for the most part is Mm -hmm. just fabricated yes um and that's that's where so many new moms or moms in general, we get lost in the fact that we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people and comparing our babies to other babies. So like, I don't know, Audrey's 15 months and I feel like we've been so blessed because she's such a good baby, but I constantly question myself because I feel like I'm not ever doing enough. Yes. Yes, I was telling you earlier, Emily, um, that my daughter goes to daycare. She's 18 months. And um, we got an email one day that she needed to see an inclusion support specialist because her development was a little bit off track. Um, and, you know, the comparison game, it's, it's so easy to fall into. Um, and the second I heard that, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what if I didn't prepare enough activities for her as a child? What if I'm not providing her with enough developmentally appropriate toys or enough opportunities or like, you know, all of that kind of stuff, you know, you fall into this trap of comparison and, you know, eventually she caught up and she's completely fine now, but it's just the way that, you know, we get told that if there's anything wrong or like not perfect or like not like other children in their development that, you know, maybe we're not doing a good enough job as parents when in reality, it's really not something we can control. Yeah. And for me, like I'm an educator. Do you think I planned any developmentally sound activities for Audrey? I've never, not (laughs) once. And then I think to myself, what am I doing? Like I have all of this education in regards to, in regards to education, primary, junior, like activity, um, you know, courses, all of these uh, things that I've learned from my, from my education. And I, and I've never really implemented any of it, mm-hmm. but she's fine. Like, exactly. and like Alex and I continue to talk about the fact that, especially when Audrey was young, like from zero to six months, mm-hmm. no, let's just say the, her first full year of life, <laughs> we were lazy parents. And yeah. by lazy, I mean, we would engage when she was playing with um, toys yep. and when she was doing tummy time or when she was in her little play area, we would engage with her from, from afar. Like we weren't sitting in that area with her, like showing her different things. We let her explore by herself. Yep. And so we called ourselves lazy because we always sat back and observed her playing independently. I don't know what your experience uh, like with Amelia in her first year of life was like when in terms of, you know, watching her play and interact with objects and toys, Mm -hmm. but we really stood back and just watched. And apparently that's called lazy. That's not lazy. We did the exact same thing. Like independent play is so important for kids. And I think that we truly just needed to take a step back and just let Amelia kind of figure stuff out. Um, because there is this expectation that you need to be on all the time for your child and this expectation that, you know, you need to show your child how things work. And yes, sometimes we, you know, did. Um, and obviously we always supervised her, but 
I don't think it's necessary and it's such an unnecessary pressure for parents to feel like they constantly need to engage. Yes. Yes. And then there's the opposite type of parent who's always over top of their child while they're playing. And I think that there needs to be a happy medium, but what I constantly see and the things that I feel pressured to do are from are from specifically moms that are putting it out there that they're giving their, their kids all of these opportunities and always there to provide them with every single thing that they need. Always being a mom all the time. Yes. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm tired. I know. (laughs) Right. So Landon is what we call the default parent. Um, in our, in our family. So typically if I need time or I need to get some work done, Landon is the one who will hang out with Amelia. So I think we are a little bit less traditional in that aspect. Um, and it does allow me to, well, he lets me sleep in every morning. So that's really nice. Wow. Uh, So yeah, he lets me sleep in for usually about an hour. Um, so that's been really excellent with my, with, for my mental health, obviously. Um, and I would 10 out of 10 recommend anyone find themselves a partner like that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I would say that for, for most women and most things that I see on social media about being a mom and the realities of being a mom is that most moms don't have that luxury or that support. Um, and that most moms are the ones who are the primary caregivers, which is totally, you know, fine and normal by our society's standards. But I do think all moms deserve a break and to let themselves not feel like they need to be on all the time. And like by society's standards, that phrase is everything. Yes. We have been ingrained and we have been conditioned (laughs) to think that if we birth that child, they are our responsibility through and through. And in some cases, if a mom gives birth to a child and they're the only caregiver available, then they don't even have a choice. Yes. They're the only person that baby has. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about that too, and just like you said, not all parents have the luxury to have somebody else, some other support person there to help them, yes. to give them the break, to let them sleep in in the morning. So it's just like, not only are we trying to heal from the physical aspect of giving birth to a child, whether you did it vaginally or whether you had a cesarean, we're also trying to heal emotionally and mentally. Yes. And that takes a long time. Like I'm still healing and my daughter's 15 months. Yes. I think that this expectation that after six weeks, we're fine is so unrealistic. Like I think especially something that I found really alarming after I gave birth was that I only had the one checkup at six weeks postpartum and that was it. Yeah, exactly. I, and like, for me, my, like, we've talked about it in the past and maybe this will be another episode of birth stories, but (laughs) I had a traumatic labor and delivery and every woman has their own story of their labor and delivery and it's unique and it's Mm -hmm. important and it needs to be talked about. But the fact that I wasn't seen by anybody for six weeks, I was like dying. I'm like, there has to be something wrong with me or I need to be seen by somebody. I, I'm not healed. 
physically or emotionally or mentally. Yeah. Like all of those things are, are consistently in play. And I think like more than anything, we can heal physically and it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if you went back to your postpartum weight and screw that. I mean, like I have never been more happy with myself than I am after having Audrey physically. I am the biggest I've ever been in my entire life. And we've talked about this before, (laughs) but I've never loved myself more. Yeah. And I will always tell people that it's like you become, for me, I became a mom and even my pregnancy journey, it really made me appreciate my body. Yeah. Really, really. I was disappointed in my former, former self and my thinking of feeling like I wasn't good enough before I became pregnant because I was. Yes. I've always been good enough. I've always been worthy. And then postpartum, you are expected to heal right off the bat. You're expected to get into tip top shape, society expectations and pressures put on us. They tell us to, you know, six weeks postpartum, you can get back into the shape you had before you became a baby or before you, before you became, <laughs> before you had your baby. And I'm like, but why, why are you telling me I have to change? Yeah. I totally fell into that trap. I remember getting cleared to do workouts at six weeks and I would walk on the treadmill or run on the treadmill when Amelia was napping. And now I look back and I think about it and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even think I'm ready to run now. And I'm like 16, 18 months postpartum. Like it's, it's just insane how badly I wanted to be, feel like myself again. And I have this experience where Five days after I gave birth, I went and found my old jeans and put them on and they were so tight, but I zipped them up and I was so excited to have my old pair of jeans on again. And I remember I moved a little bit too sharply and they split. And (laughs) That's That's a really good story. And so the next day I went and I bought a size bigger in my jeans and I have continued to buy bigger sizes in my jeans ever since, because I continued to gain weight after postpartum, which I think is also something that we don't talk about. I think we just expect women to either to, you know, lose the weight or, you know, stay stagnant, but I actually gained weight postpartum, um, which was an interesting journey. But as you said, I am happier with my body than I was before I had a child. And that is such an interesting an interesting aspect that I didn't really consider because I never really thought that I would like and appreciate my body after having a child because society tells us that like you have stretch marks, you have cellulite, like that's not good. Right. You should, that. You should wear like one piece or high waisted bikini bottoms. Like you need to wear all of these outfits that are, you know, not necessarily flattering or someone's going to tell you, Oh, that's not appropriate for a mom to wear. Yeah. I'm a mom, but I still like to wear crop tops. Like, yes. Thank you. And like, I'm wearing a crop top right now and I'm friggin' rocking it. Rawless. My boobs, friggin' massive. (laughs) Why don't we just change the narrative? Why don't I say six weeks postpartum? Let's get your mind and body or body and mind ready to heal again. Yes. Let's not just. Why does it always have to be okay? Six months or six weeks postpartum, you're clear to work out. Well, who said I wanted to work out? Exactly. Like, I want to feel better emotionally 
And again, who decided that that was the narrative that every mother postpartum should receive? Yes. And I feel like we need to be handed more resources or be told more positive things than just you're allowed to work out or you're allowed to have sex again. Like, yeah, it needs to be less about your body and more about how you can start to heal from the literal trauma you just experienced can be traumatic. Like, how can I heal my mind first? How can I feel? How can I heal my soul? How can I heal my emotions after experiencing something that is extremely traumatic? Mm -hmm. And even if you did have a great labor and delivery, it doesn't take away from the fact that you still gave birth to an entire world out of your vagina or through your tummy. Like it doesn't take away from that. And again, yeah, it's crazy. And I feel like not only are we expected to do so much as a mom, but on top of that, we are expected to be okay. Yes, we are okay okay with it. And that's not okay. And so I think, you know, this topic, we could we could talk about this for so long and there's so many things to go along with the pressures to feel perfect, the pressures on moms and women in general. And I think that, you know, we've, we've covered a lot yes, in in just a, a short period of time, but I really appreciate your perspective because it's so good to hear from somebody else who did have a different experience because at the end of the day, we cannot even compare one mom's experience to the next it's never going to be the same and that's why I think like talking to moms and really letting their voices be heard is so important because uh, I think we are constantly comparing ourselves not only are we comparing our babies to another baby but we are comparing ourselves to other moms yes absolutely so I just want to say thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and I hope that you continue to join and um, please stay tuned for the next podcast podcast airs every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern and this is the Mama Bird podcast. Thank you.